everyone. I'm Liz Collin, and welcome to Liz Collin Reports, a place for truth and meaningful Minnesota conversations. Again, we are going where other Twin Cities media won't go on the podcast today to talk about the push to commute Kim Potter's sentence. Potter was convicted of first and second degree manslaughter last December for the killing of Dante Wright. Potter's now serving a two-year prison sentence. She's scheduled to be released in April after serving 16 months with the remaining time to be served on supervised release. Her family, friends, and supporters don't want to wait nine more months. They have made a public plea for people to send letters, emails, and make phone calls to Governor Tim Walz and their lawmakers to free Kim Potter. A longtime friend and colleague of the former Brooklyn Center police officer joins me today to talk about their efforts. Becky Boy, thanks for joining me. And frankly, thank you for your bravery for being willing to come forward. You're welcome. Glad to be here. We can't help, of course, but notice the shirt you're wearing, too. Well... We stand with her and we will continue to stand with Kim for as long as it takes. Becky, to begin with, update us on your efforts. You made this public plea at the beginning of the month, although I know you've been very vocal behind the scenes from the beginning, but you actually finally got a reply back. What happened? Yes, I did receive a phone call um, from an aide at the the governor's office yesterday. Um, Basically, it was just kind of an informational gathering phone call. Uh, She just wanted to know kind of what our plan was um, as far as the early release, commute, possibly parole. Obviously, that would be the best case scenario um, would be to have this completely wiped from her record. Um, So basically, she said she was gathering information that would go to her bosses and hopefully get on the governor's desk here sooner rather than later. And we also discussed uh, an in-person meeting uh, with the governor and she said, you know, there's a there's a method and a way to just go about doing that online and requesting that. So that is something that uh, we will get done as well, request an in-person meeting with him. Do you have more hope at this point? Again, this is something you've been keeping up your, yourself and others for months. We're never going to lose hope because there's there's no reason that she needs to be in there. She's not a threat to anyone. She never has been. She has a spotless record. Um, And as far as the conditions, I mean, obviously they are doing the best that they can, you know, given the situation, but she's not afforded any of the quote unquote luxuries that any of the other inmates have access to the cafeteria, the gym, you know, everything, every place she goes has to be obviously escorted. And um, it's just, it's just a difficult trying situation with little to no human contact. And now we've got COVID again and it shut down, so no more visitation. So it's a tough, tough situation. And I think that we can get around that and let her out. And we we have said over and over, and she has said it, if they are adamant on her completing this sentence, slap on the electrical monitoring and you know we will deal with that. You told me that she has to remain in solitary um, if she were to, to stay for nine more months. How is she doing? I know you haven't been able to see her in, in person, uh, but you have been able to talk to her and you are in contact. Yes, yes, she, she is able to call, um, which is always wonderful. But, you know, I'll tell you, I see that number come across my phone and, and I have to emotionally prepare myself because you don't know if you're going to get emotional Kim, if you're going to get Kim, that's okay. If you're going to get happy Kim, it's a day-to-day situation on, you know, how she copes and, you know, what happens during the day, you know, how she's occupying her time. So it's, 
it's different every day and it's a challenge. You told me, Becky, too, that you had to remain silent to offer your support publicly for Kim for some legal reasons. But explain that for our listeners. Yeah, that 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 was definitely a tough one for me. Um, but from what we were told, the attorney general had a 90 day window to appeal the sentence. Um, he did say publicly early on that he would not do that. But we have no trust in, in what we have running the state right now. So we waited that 90 day period, waited a couple extra days. And when we were given, you know, the all clear, I opened my mouth and we started this push. Give us some history between you and Kim. I know you're a former colleague uh, at the PD, but also a, a close friend. You certainly have known her for a long time, Becky. Yeah, we are, we are in our 24th year of friendship. Kim is a fun person. She She's a blast to be around. We laugh, we giggle. You know, we've spent so much time together over the years. We lived three blocks from each other. We worked together for, you know, my entire 19 and a half year career. We travel, we camp. Her and Jeff are the godparents to our youngest daughter. You know, we've been together for four years. So, you know, this is heartbreaking on many, many levels. You know, I, I don't have her there to talk to, you know, a hundred times a day, like we were accustomed to. Take us back then to April 11th of last year. We all know the story. Of course, she's serving as a field training officer. When the officer she was with initiated the traffic stop, they attempt to arrest Dante Wright. He resists, jumps back in the car and tries to drive off when she mistakes her gun for a taser. But where were you when you heard the news, Becky? Were you able to talk to Kim at all about what happened? Not specifically what happened, um, but I can tell you that was that was really a day like no other. Um, it happened to be my husband's birthday, and our plans were already set to go out to dinner, like we did every you know single year. Um, I received a text message from. Actually, she had called me and said. She wouldn't make it to dinner. And then I had gotten, which meant nothing. They're cops. That happened all the time. You know, there'd be a late call or whatever, and, and plans changed. That that was not abnormal. Uh, I got a text from Jeff saying something to the effect of critical incident. Kim is okay. So I text back, OIS, officer-involved shooting, and I got a yes. And that, that was it. Um, so... That night, we did go over there, um, and that was hard. You know, at that point, we had no details. You know, we did not know what happened other than um, someone had been shot. We, I, I don't even think, I, I don't even think we were one hundred percent sure Kim was the one that did it. We, you know, I wasn't sure. Obviously, I knew she. Um, was FTO to Officer Lucky, but, you know, I didn't know any details and she was a mess, you know? She didn't say hardly anything. We were maybe only there for about 15 minutes because I knew she needed a hug. So that's what we did. We stopped there. I gave her a hug, told her I loved her, and we went home, not not knowing any details. So... Oh. That was, that was a hard night. 
But did you suspect right away that, that your best friend, your, your colleague, would be going to prison because of Minnesota's political climate? She made those utterances when she called me the next morning. And in my gut, I knew she was right. And I knew she was right because it was right in the midst of the Derek Chauvin mess. And I knew that that was a distinct possibility. None of us wanted to believe it. But I think I think knowing the environment that that we've been in, um, that it very well may happen. And you have called Kim a, a political pawn in all of this, even the charges. She's charged with second degree manslaughter to start with. We have county attorneys from Washington County who resign over this. Three days later, Attorney General Keith Ellison uh, takes over the case to add more charges, and that happens months later, uh, the more serious charges. Um, What was that experience like for you to watch all of that unfold? It's maddening. You know, everybody is outraged. The majority of people have been outraged at how she's been treated throughout this whole thing because she has been on a political agenda. It's like, we know election year is coming up. You know, what what are they going to do except use her as the puppet to prove that law enforcement needs all these changes because they've been screaming that since even before the Derek Chauvin incident. Um, But she was the scapegoat. Becky, I know that you retired yourself in June of last year with some pretty harsh words, if I do say so myself, uh, for your mayor, which probably felt pretty good to get that all off off of your chest. But before I read a little bit of that letter, just explain your reasons for leaving the city and leaving a job that you once loved. That was a very difficult decision um, because I did love working in that city. I loved working with the community. but even before the incident, there was no support from our mayor. Our council was wavering. It, it was becoming more and more of a hostile work environment. Once the mayor started to go more public with the reform that he wanted to do to the city and you know, the, the comments were made that that he made that, you know, we weren't doing enough for community engagement. And I basically lost my cool. I'm like, that is exactly what I've been doing for the last 19 and a half years. You know, this department worked so hard to bridge some of those gaps. And there were so many strides made, so many good outcomes, and then you come back and blast us with that. I was done. Done. Okay, so you didn't just send this letter to the mayor. It went to a few people, Becky. Correct. It went to the entire city council and every city employee in Brooklyn Center. Wow. Okay, I'm going to read a few different parts from that letter. First, it says, The way you handled the right critical incident and your actions in the days following deeply sadden and disappoint me. You painted her, meaning Kim Potter, as a prejudiced person and turned the situation into a race issue. You know nothing about her personally or professionally. You chose to glorify the situation for your own personal gain. I'm not interested in knowing what your hidden political agenda is. Your actions have destroyed numerous lives and certainly the trust of city staff and the community. 
You have glorified criminals, again, for your personal gain, and those that have challenged you were quickly dismissed. You have been extremely quiet since the lawsuits have been filed against the estate of Dante Wright. Could it be because now you have egg on your face or possibly because you yourself have made some mistakes? And then you go on to say that I personally fielded hundreds of calls and emails from residents of the city expressing their support of the Brooklyn Center Police Department and retired officer Potter. Much of the public sees that this clearly was a horrible and unfortunate mistake. I hope that you acknowledge the truth, hear from the residents you were elected to serve, and do the right thing from now on, as this city has already lost many good, hardworking people due to your inappropriate and disgusting leadership. Again, some strong words for Mayor Mike Elliott that you wanted uh, the, the city to hear as well. I'm curious, did he have any type of response for you, Becky? No, I have never heard from him. You did bring up those lawsuits filed against Dante Wright's estate, and that's what I was hoping to chat a little bit more about. So these were crimes committed by Wright that the media essentially ignored, like so much of this case. Uh, you've also said there was a lot more backstory when it comes to the taser uh, that, that Kim was using. And like many of this, it just wasn't covered. No, nobody was allowed to talk about any of it. You know, I mean, yeah, it came out. That was a new taser. She was, you know, one of the first officers to basically give it a try. They, you know, she hadn't had it that long. She struggled with the holster, um, with it, you know, it just, it wasn't comfortable. And, I think, yeah, it, people were not told about any of this stuff, you know, and it's not like they handle their weapons every day. The gun belt goes on in the morning. They take it off at night, goes in the locker. They're not, they're not handling those weapons, you know? Yes, Brooklyn Center may have been a little rough, but they're still not drawing those, those weapons on a daily basis. Um, and yeah, I mean, she spoke numerous times with with um, Sergeant Mike Peterson about that taser in the holster. And he was not allowed to you know, talk about that at trial. She talked to other co-workers about it. They weren't allowed to testify. I was exonated as a as a character witness for her as well. You know, there were a ton of changes and things that should have been discussed were I, I were never discussed. So the general public does not know that information, you know, I think I, I don't who knows what people think. But unless you're close to that law enforcement realm, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. You know, overall, how do you think the media handled this whole case? Again, it was weeks, if not months, some stations even reported um, on Dante Wright's past uh, once documents started showing up in court, essentially? Well, finally. But the media was very one-sided. And, it, you know, they painted Kim as, as a horrible person. And it was the politicians that brought the race issue even to the table. It, that, it's a non-issue. Kim is not a racist person by any way, shape, or form, never has been ever will be. Um, and again, that's the political portion of this that just really enraged, you know, so many of us. And one of the biggest motivations for me sending that that email as I departed the city is because it wasn't just my voice. 
it was the voice of, of my colleagues and my friends in that city and for those residents, you know, of, of the city of Brooklyn Center. And let's talk about that that voice and those colleagues that, that still remain. This decimated the Brooklyn Center Police Department in, in many ways. How many officers left uh, that you know of related um, to the, the Kim Potter case? Uh, and what's that city like today? I mean, it's no secret that crime ha- has spiked and some have called it out of control uh, in that suburb as well. Yeah, it definitely is. I think, you know... Yes, I still keep in contact with, you know, people from there, but I want to say it was either, I think around 14 that left, you know, very soon after um, the incident did occur, some due to PTSD, um, you know, that kind of pushed them over, over the edge. Um, But so many things have happened in that city. It's just, it's heartbreaking, you know. Just to sit back and and hear about it. And I mean, just yesterday, very familiar apartment complex, they picked up a hundred rounds, spat rounds, you know? They need the they need the leadership. I don't know anything about the new chief, but hopefully something can change and bring some safety and security back to those residents. And no. of course to the police department. I know another story that Basically, was completely ignored by the media, but not but not Alpha News. I will say um, it's what Kim Potter's alma mater did. Totino Grace High School printing their yearbook with a special tribute to Dante Wright, saying that he was murdered. I'm curious. Do you know what Kim's reaction or her family's reaction uh, was to that? I know that the school received some huge uh, blowback by by printing that mistake. There was, but one thing you, you know you have to understand about Kim and her family is. They're they're very close. They're very forgiving. They understood more than anybody that some decisions were made that were a mistake. So, you know, they met with them. They agreed that it, it, it was a mistake the way that, you know, some of that stuff was worded. And again, they're they're very forgiving. Me, not so much, but that's that's just their personalities. Because I will say some negative things about Katie Bryant Wright, the Kim, and she will continue to defend her as a grieving mother and acting out because of that. Her and I don't agree on that, but that's who Kim is. And on that note, I know that she has some offers already to be doing some good um, instead of being in prison. Yeah, she's received some letters from some out-of-state law enforcement agencies that want her to come chat with their officers. And, you know, you know, like, like I've said before, the attorney general said that this hopefully will never happen again. Obviously, nobody wants this to happen again. Let's get her out of there. Let's get her knowledge out there, talking with people. It's not only going to be good for her healing and her mental health, but it's going to be very productive for other law enforcement officers, you know, to listen to what she's gone through, what what was going on in that 11 seconds of that incident, 
you know, and the protection that she was feeling for Officer Lucky and Sergeant Johnson at that time. So much good could be done if she was out of that place for everybody. Republican gubernatorial candidate Dr. Scott Jensen has said that he would consider commuting Potter's sentence if he is elected in November. Have you talked to him at all? Um, I have not. I know some of, of my friends have. Um, and, and yes, if he stands by that statement, you know, uh, that would certainly be a conversation that I would like to have with him. I'd like to see our, our current sitting governor do the right thing so we don't have to make her wait another seven months, you know, if and when a new governor is elected. Um, I, I don't I don't I don't see why we have to wait when where, there's power and authority that can take care of it right now. So where do your efforts go from here? What is, what is next? What's the plan? Well, I'm, we're not going to stop. The letters will continue. The phone calls will continue. Um, I'm hoping that we can get a, a face-to-face meeting with the governor. Um, you know, it, the, the next parole board will meet, I believe it's in October. Um, and we want her on that list. We want the AG to recuse himself. And we also want the governor to recuse himself off that, that sitting board. What, what the governor did shortly after this incident occurred was completely inappropriate, not aligned. He trashed Kim in the media, and then he invited that family over to the governor's mansion at taxpayers' expense, I'd bet money on that, and had dinner with them. I'm sorry to me, that's a lot of BS. And taxpayer in this state, I don't support whatsoever. And that's why I don't feel personally that he should ever sit on a parole board involving any sort of law enforcement officer because he does not support them. Why is this a case that you feel like every person should care about in Minnesota? What does it do for the confidence in, in the justice system? We're losing confidence. We are, it, the entire country is losing control. We are idolizing and memorializing criminals at the expense of good people. People make mistakes. Now, the, the quota quota tax are getting bigger. Now we're going after nurses that make mistakes. Now they're talking about that. You know, this is just that, that trickle effect. One, we have to understand, yes, people make mistakes. If there's no intent involved, then there shouldn't be these drastic consequences. But we need leadership that's going to be tough on crime, stop kowtowing down to these criminals and these hate groups, stop letting our cities burn down, put these people behind bars where they belong, not by putting the good people behind bars that don't belong. Becky Boy, a longtime friend and loyal supporter of Kim Potter. Thank you again for joining me, Becky. You're very welcome. And that will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We'll be back again soon. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or any other podcast platform. If you could, give us a five-star rating while you're at it. We'd be grateful. We'll see you next time.